0: This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. I hope you had an excellent week. I think this is episode 52. I'm not going to lie. Can you believe we've done that many episodes? I think it's 52 and I've loved having your company. I was so tired on the last podcast. My brain was like glue. But this is one of the themes of today's show. And I've experienced this in broadcasting. It's where I learned this was from broadcasting, but it's true for so many things in life, which is that how it feels is not how it is. So I was doing a radio show many years ago and it felt like a disaster. It felt so bad. Just mumbling, tripping over my words, incoherent, boring, monosyllabic, repetitive. Well, I was just dying inside as it was happening so bad. And I plucked up the courage to listen to it maybe a few days later because I somehow obtained a copy of it and I had it in the car and I slammed it on and my son my son was quite young then when he sat next to me, I slammed it on and it was really good. You won't believe it. It was really good. Please don't think that I'm somebody that always thinks their work is great because I've often reviewed my work and been mightily disappointed with it. But no, 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 no. I was just surprised. And then I just like listened to it a couple of times because it was that good. It was really good. So that's when I learnt a big lesson in life which is that how it feels is not how it is. And let me tell you, it goes the other way. And I have sometimes done, let's say, a comedy show that felt like I was storming it. King of comedy. Watch it back. Uh, nah, Not that good. So that's the funny thing. So the answer is not to be ruled by your emotions. So if you're going through something, let's say you're at work and... You're addressing a group. You're in a meeting, maybe. Maybe you're pitching a product. Maybe you've got a client or a potential client and you're trying to win their business. It's really important. It's like okay, the client's in it too. We've got half an hour with them. We've got to sell what we're doing. And we've got them to say yes and sign on the dotted line. And sometimes, you know, that pitch meeting will feel like it's going really badly. But remember, how it feels is not how it is. So what I want you to do when you're under pressure like that, if you're in a high stress situation and it feels like it's going badly, just stay calm because it might be absolutely fine. And it feels bad because that's the impression you've got and that's emotional and it's not rational. And anyway, we're not able to identify how things are going because we can't step outside of our body and watch what's happening. So you won't know until it's done. So what you've got to do is keep the faith and stay positive. And if you look at in sport, I mean, that's amazing how some people do it, where they, they, you know, the number of sports people that say, I won the match, but I played so badly. It's like, well, you won the match, didn't you? So you didn't play that badly. Better that way round so it really is very very valuable to understand that how it feels is not how it is and so next time you're exposed you're in a difficult situation and it seems to be going against you just stay calm and just believe that it's going to be okay or or at least absolve yourself of making any judgment going well look everything seems to be going terribly but let's just keep a smile on my face and let's crack on let's pretend like this never happened i mean i've done that as a comedian where I felt like the audience were very quiet didn't seem like it was going very well and after that experience of understanding that how it feels is not how it is you just relax you don't worry about it and then at the end they're like that was the best show I've ever seen you're like really you guys were so quiet they loved it so yeah it's uh, this is really really this is up there with some of the best advice I can give you from the whole series how it feels is not how it is and by the way I, i Delighted to say I invented that one. I mean, there are experts who have made a similar observation, but that one's for you. How it feels is not how it is. Uh, Cross-reference is the brilliant book, The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters, which is about emotional management. Highly recommended. Um, Was there another example? Yes. What about this? Let's say you're on a hot date you really like the person but they're not laughing at your jokes and the body language is not good the conversation is going nowhere the date is going very badly but remember my golden rule how it feels is not how it is because then afterwards the person you had the date with said oh by the way I really enjoyed the date I just want you to know I had a really bad migraine I didn't want to I didn't want to um, bother you by telling you about it but had a migraine for the whole date but I really enjoyed your company so how it feels is not how it is that person was having a great time really liked you but had a migraine or they were just a bit tired or wait for it shy I've had encounters with people you know professional encounters maybe romantic encounters where or a friendship thing where someone has seemed like really cold really unfriendly it's like they don't like me at all and what it is is they're just shy sometimes shy people send off send out quite sort of uh, negative vibes like stephanie hates me she doesn't hate you she's shy shy people are bad at giving the impression that they like you that you know they've got a barrier they've they're closed down they're awkward they're stiff and they're defensive they're defensive. I mean here's the other amazing thing when it comes to romance sometimes if someone really likes you they're a bit rude to you or maybe ignore you you know the person that that really likes you has just like stayed away from you for the whole night and won't make eye contact and is a little bit grumpy with you when you bump into them in the corridor hey Caroline how are you she's like I'm fine thanks and off she goes and you're like god Caroline hates me no she doesn't Caroline likes you it's quite the opposite but she's shy. She's awkward. She doesn't want to humiliate herself by showing interest in you and then you to reject her. So she's going to be rude to you in case you do. And yet really you're supposed to be together. Wow. But if, you didn't, if you're if you in that corridor and, and you're thinking, well, oh, look, this feels bad, right? She's been kind of rude to me. But how it feels is not how it is. Then you just ignore the rudeness and you just crack on. And you say, would you like some popcorn? I have popcorn. Would you like some? Who's going to say no to popcorn? It's the best stuff ever, isn't it? So there you go. I really like that one. I'm really happy with it. And it's yours. How it feels is not how it is. Um, The other one that's very good is people are not mind readers. So I was working today. Brilliant team. Lovely. They care. They're very committed and I consider them friends. I'm one of those people, you know. People say that you shouldn't be friends with your colleagues. They say you shouldn't be friends with your kids. Well, my kids are my friends. They're my kids and my friends. And my colleagues are my colleagues and my friends. And I, I move swiftly. When it comes to work, I move straight to the friendship format. Because I just feel that you spend many hours of the working day with your colleagues. So why wouldn't they be your friends? And yes, there can be tough times. And you can say... Uh Muhammad, you've really underperformed there, which is an unfriendly thing to say, but that's your job to tell Muhammad that. It doesn't stop him being your friend. And afterwards you shake on it and go, listen, nothing personal, by the way. I just want you to be the best. The best you can be. So um but so lovely colleagues. And but there was just sort of this um very clunky mistake. First of all, I made a suggestion, a creative suggestion for the show. <clears throat> and then what I got back was was not uh, was not quite right. It was about 30 percent right. It was about 70 percent wrong. But the thing is, I hadn't given a detailed brief. Right. So what I got back was, you know, majority, not what I wanted. Now, an idiot will get cross with with the colleagues and go ah this is all wrong what are you doing and by the way we all have idiot colleagues and terrible some people and then they got bosses that are like you know shout at them about anything you know but when i got this work back some of which was wrong some which was right by the way but some which was wrong i wasn't even for a second cross with those people because i realized that they're not mind readers I hadn't given a detailed brief of what exactly I was looking for. I had a picture in my head of what I wanted. I didn't get that back because I didn't really explain it properly. I didn't explain it fully. I explained it a bit. So therefore it was a bit right. And I just thought to myself when it came back and, you know, it it meant more work and all the rest of it. But I just thought, well, wait a minute. They're not mind readers, are they? They're clever. They're creative. They're hardworking. But they're. They're not clairvoyants. They can't see inside your skull. So remember that next time things are not the way you want them to be. They're not mind readers. The waiter that brings the wrong kind of chips. You wanted the fat fries, not the skinny fries. Well, they're not a mind reader. You needed to be clear. And you'll find that life is a lot more fluid and a lot more comfortable and pleasant when you understand that people aren't mind readers. And it's the same in relationships. What is the number one problem in relationships? Communication. It's the assumption that your partner's a bloody mind reader. Well, why didn't you know I was tired? Why didn't you know I was stressed? It's like, well, because I'm not David Blaine. Uh, the other one, just I've got these as a little grouping of, of uh, suggestions, comments here. Um, and it was a few weeks ago, I worked with a different team who are also excellent. But there were a couple of things that I wouldn't do and don't like and disagree with uh, process-wise. But there's a couple of things. First of all, you know, it's not my gig. So... You know, if I was permanently doing it, then I would really push for these changes because I'd be fully invested in it. But when you come into an operation, someone else's rules, you go into someone's house and it's like um, shoes off. Who are you to wear shoes? In a no shoes household, you're not going to, are you? It's like they don't wear shoes indoors. You take your shoes off. It's an etiquette. And here's the thing. It's their bloody house. So I think, you know, understanding that is important. Um, so I'm in metaphorically, professionally, I'm in someone else's house. That's the first thing. Although I will, I, I can influence it because, of course, if I'm working on a on a show that's not mine, um, I'm still fronting it, aren't I? I'm still putting my name to it, and therefore, if I've got serious objections to something, then I guess I can, I can, um, <clears throat> I can press home the point and stand my ground a bit. But a lot of the time, you just think you're here for a week and um it's a temporary arrangement you know you let it go and so here's the expression i would use hill to die on have you heard that expression hill to die on so sometimes in your life just ask yourself is this a hill to die on you know so do i have to like have a big huge disagreement with colleagues I'm only going to see temporarily and then I'm I'm off again do I really need to open this can of worms and have all this conflict is that the hill to die on no what you do is you swallow it and you go it's fine it's okay isn't it so I want you to do that every day when you get worked up about something just ask yourself is that a hill to die on Um, there used to be a brilliant lawyer who was on the radio in the uk in london and he was called gary jacobs i'm so glad i remembered his name so this is an obscure name to many but there might be a few of you out there who know british radio and london radio that will be familiar with a wonderful lawyer called gary jacobs he was a big bear of a man a bearded guy big old unit oh he was to a cockney accents sort or of rough voice like that just imagine just imagine He's the guy that plays gangsters all the time. And he does adverts for for gambling companies. He plays Cockney gangsters. Ray Winstone. Just imagine Ray Winstone. It's that sort of voice. Or the other guy that used to play gangsters all the time. Who, who pretty much was replaced by Ray Winstone. The guy that was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. What's the name of that actor? He was a Cockney as well, wasn't he? He was in a movie called Mona Lisa. Bob Hoskins. There you go. Um, He was a lawyer, a top lawyer. And he was on the radio and it was a radio phone in on LBC, London Broadcasting Corporation. London Broadcasting Company, I think. And people would call up and they say, I've got a dispute with my neighbor about the hedge is too high or I was dismissed from work they still owe me a week's wages or I got a parking ticket in a private car park they sent me a bill I wasn't there and he was very good at giving advice but I have to tell you 80% of the time he would say right how much has this cost you so far how much time have you put into this how much more time are you willing to put in this And in the end, they'd say, oh, well, I've been working on this for a year and so far it's cost me £180. Then he'd say, do you know what? Do you want to spend another year worrying about this? He said, I know it's unfortunate, but just. I'd let it go if I were you. And this is a lawyer, right? Lawyers are normally there to go, oh, you have a case, let me tell you and I can help. But no, very often he just said, look, you have to decide whether it's really worth the hassle is that a hill to die on some issue with your neighbor and it's the wobbly fence it's like do you know what i can live with a wobbly fence is it going to destroy my whole existence having a slightly wobbly fence or the fence is 20 centimeters on the wrong side on my land Pfft, unless it's legally binding do you just let it go do you know what i mean so every day when you get concerned about little things Decide whether that is a hill to die on or not. And I think you'll find that 80%, 90% of things are not a hill to die on. But by the way, 10% absolutely are. They absolutely are. So I'm not saying to you that there are not hills to die on. There most certainly are hills to die on. During the uh, Pandemico, I objected to the mask mandates. No problem with masks. But the enforcement of them with the science and the evidence debatable uh, to enforce them was completely wrong in my view. And that was a hill I was willing to die on. So there are things uh, uh, relationships wise, one or two relationships where there was just a certain stuff going on. I just thought I'm not having this. Even if I really like the person that was a hill to die on. I'm like, I'm not having this. This is a deal breaker for me. That's my red line. So work out what your red lines are and what your red lines are not. And you're good to go. Um, Right. Now, listen, a few things. Um, Product of the week. Well, this one is so obscure, but it's very good. And it's called Bisto. And Bisto is there to make gravy. Now, this show is extraordinarily international. We're in New Zealand, Portugal, the United States, if you've heard of it. Sweden, India, I think Iran which is nice and so therefore for me to recommend a uniquely British product is absurd but then again don't forget it's 2024 and we have the internet don't we so it's not beyond the wit of man for you to get online and purchase a box of Bisto but If you can't get hold of Bisto, then I guess I'll keep this bit short because I don't want to bang on for ages about something you can't get hold of. But Bisto is a British invention and it's made up of it's got onion powder in there and a bit of salt. It's got some caramel color so that it makes the gravy nice and brown. Potato starch. And I've just never found anything that makes better gravy. And what I like about it, so what you do, let's say you do a roast beef or something. You take all the juices and you pour them into the saucepan. I like to then put the juices into the fridge and then the fat at the top goes hard and I scrape that off. But you're, by, by all means, you're welcome to um, keep the fat. But I just I don't really like the idea of a very fatty gravy. So um, what I do is I do, I put it in the fridge and I scrape off the fat. And so there's there's like the just the juices. Amazing, right? So I put that in a pan. I then put some water in the pan. And then a beef stock cube. Um, about 500 ml, half a litre. And then I add Bisto. And all you do is it's a few, couple of teaspoons. You're going to have to judge it, I'm afraid. You, two or three teaspoons into a cup. Mixed with a small amount of water. Then you bring the stock, the liquid stock to the boil and you keep mixing the bisto. keep it freshly mixed because it separates almost instantly. Keep mixing that bisto, which is a few teaspoons of bisto with water. And then as the stock is boiling, you pour the bisto in and then stir vigorously at the same time. And what it does is it thickens the gravy, gives it that brown color and a lovely roast beef taste. And it just works and it's Bisto but it's Bisto powder you can get Bisto granules which is like instant gravy I'm not so keen on that this Bisto stuff is old-fashioned it's what your great-grandmother would have made anyway that's my product of the week absolutely delicious Bisto Bisto Um, but you know what I'm going to do because I love you loads I'm going to give you a recipe for excellent gravy that does not involve Bisto in case you're having trouble getting it and what you do, again, the juices of the meat, and by the way, this works for turkey, it works for chicken, it works for lamb, all of the juices, if you can, just sort of pour them into a, a cup. Um, and then you have the stock. Now, listen, I'm a huge fan of beef stock. And so I do something very controversial, which is that I, I make all gravy with beef stock, even if the meat is lamb, turkey or chicken or game. I still use beef stock. Isn't that amazing? So I do not use chicken stock cubes. I just like beef stock and I think it's a very, I think beef is a very neutral flavour and I think that it, what's the word? I'm going to use a posh word for you. But maybe I was going to say coalesces. It coalesces nicely with any meat. It's not quite right. It fits alongside. Compatible with, there you go, that's the word I was looking for. I knew it was a C word. It's compatible with um, any number of meats, not fish. <laughs> anyway, so um, that's my top tip. I don't really like chicken stock. There, I said it. Don't really like vegetable stock. So the beef stock would be the thing. Um, and then what you do, so you've got a stock cube, you half a litre of water, bring it to the boil so that the stock cube dissolves. And then instead of your bistro, you get some corn flour and you mix corn flour in a cup with a little bit of water just so it's just liquid. Okay, just liquid. Pour that in whilst the stock is boiling and that will thicken it. And it's absolutely decent. What I might recommend is maybe a little bit more stock than is recommended. So if it's if it's one stock cube for half a litre of uh, gravy, I would put in one and a half stock cubes just so it's extra salty, extra stocky. Whereas you don't need that with the Bisto because it already adds the kind of beef vibes. But there you go. That's my gravy story. What's nice about the cornflour or the gravy or the Bisto is that um, you go gently. So if it's not thick enough, you add a bit more, add a bit more. If it's too thick, there's no going back. Um, So that's one product of the week. I've got another couple of ideas, by the way. And this one is extraordinarily sexist. And I'd like to apologize. Uh, my products of the week for men this week is a tie I actually gave a relative a young relative a tie for christmas i was away and um, we didn't have anything for this excellent young man who is about 20 and i am a ridiculous individual and so travel with neckties why on earth would you go on holiday with ties what am i bloody james bond What is going on? What's gotten into my head? I I cannot travel without a necktie. I often won't wear it, but I like to travel with one. Anyway, I travelled with a few this year because I'm insane. And one of them is a more or less mint condition, barely worn. And we were desperate for a gift for this young man. I'm like, why don't we give him one of my ties? Lovely silk tie, wrapped it up, knitted. I love a knitted tie, knitted silk. How good is that? I love woolen ties as well. Of course, ties serve no function whatsoever. They don't keep you warm. I think, I don't know what ties are. I mean, I need to look it up really, but if you want me to speculate, I think that they are symbolic. So I think it's symbolism. I think it's a man pretending to have a willy. I don't know why. I just think there's, there's something quite sort of phallic about a tie. I think it's a pretend willy. Could that be it? Sort of as it's dangling along. that's one possibility i also think a tie uh, could be a way of disguising fatness because you know when gents get to a certain age and the old belly kicks in the old beer belly the tie just sort of breaks it up a bit if you if you're very overweight and you wear a tie that is a good distraction it just breaks it up whereas if you've got a lad a big old unit big old chunky fella barrel chested beer belly and he's just squeezed into a shirt i don't think it looks good slap a tie on and kind of you know brings it together a little bit so i think ties uh, that could be that one of the two reasons why ties exist um, <laughs> but there will be some you'll know there'll be a historian listening that has the answer but here's the thing that you cannot get away from with ties they're smart i, d- I don't know why but when you put on a tie you're smart i don't know what makes a tie smart why is that smart but it is ties are smart end of you know, people go to weddings and they have the open neck shirt because that's the new thing and i used to be at tech conferences with no ties they told me don't wear a tie but i felt like because that was a strict rule that felt like just as just as um Conventional as wearing a tie do you know what i mean it became a corporate thing not because like, "Oh, don't wear a tie it's all corporate but then it became corporate to not wear a tie because not wearing a tie was a corporate policy so it's corporate either way so weirdly enough if you're anti-corporate the best thing to do is wear a tie because it's just not the done thing is it Uh, not the done thing um i really really think that you gentlemen should start wearing a tie from time to time right you know what you go out with your mates to the pub you just got a tie on in the united kingdom in the 1930s 40s 50s a gentleman would have what was called his sunday best so a gentleman on a sunday would put on a suit and a tie uh, probably go to church back in the day uh, and then he'd he'd, uh, pop to his local pub and have a couple of real ales and he'd be in his sunday best isn't that a lovely expression sunday best and that means your best clothes because it's sunday i'm going to dress up it's a lovely ritual people enjoyed it there's pictures of it i'm sure if you google sunday best should we google sunday best quickly come on i know you love it when i get on the internet and start googling things god i spent about 12 hours looking up filofaxes last last time didn't i apologies for that but maybe it was good who knows How it feels is not how it is. Uh, Sunday best. This will be embarrassing if I don't know. If if nothing comes up now. (laughs) It's just me. I've imagined the whole thing. Sunday best. Images. I love Google images. So far nothing has come up that proves my point. For God's sakes. This is a complete disaster. I cannot find. Oh there you go. I found one. Sunday best clothes, and that's a super stock, which is a image company. Blimey, this is going about as well as my uh, Filofax search. Anyway, take my word for it. People used to dress up in a Sunday, and in fact, there's a picture here of, um, in, in Georgia, someone in Georgia in their Sunday best, children in their Sunday best, who also look like they're in the United States, so, yeah, I think it's it seems to be potentially quite a global thing. But anyway, I love it. So what I want you to do, lads, is um, if you don't own a tie, I think this gift Christmas, that Christmas that this young man, I don't think he owned a tie. I think it was his first tie. You should definitely have a tie and just surprise people. If you're a little shy, you can wear the tie with a shirt and then a jumper on top like a crew neck. I always find that quite where you get the the knot of the tie just poking out of the top. I think it's old school. I think It's a bit preppy. And i like it if you dress if you wear a tie um it's professional it's smarter we don't know why but it just is and i swear to god whenever i wear a tie i get compliments and the reason why is because so few people wear a tie so when you do it really stands out remember this show is about you being in the five percent of the extraordinary people not the 95 percent of everyone else right i want to give you the edge and therefore you know that's what that's what this is about and and um, if you you're a guy and you wear a tie i'm putting you in the five percent it's going to take some self-confidence if you go to an office that's not a tie office and you wear a tie you're going to feel awkward people might even tease you but that's only because you're they're jealous because you've gone your own way and you've been bold and you're an individual and you're pushing against the grain but I think it's a hell of a thing. I think it's a hell of a flex for a guy to wear a tie in 2024. Don't get me wrong, 30 years ago everyone was wearing one, but now it's an angle and I think it will give you the edge. I really do. I often often wear a tie. A couple of years ago I went out for annual Christmas drinks with my mate and I just I had a tie on. I wasn't coming from work, I wasn't coming from a meeting. I put a tie on and went out. I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon. Um, That's why some of those knitted ties are good, because they're a bit more casual. You know, those silk knitted ones, which um, are sort of square at the bottom, the flat edge. Lovely. Anyway, do it, do it, do it, do it. Now, I do not know anything about women's clothes, so I would really like to have an equivalent suggestion to you women. But, But I mean, seriously, am I qualified to even dare to say what you should be doing? Um, but in the spirit of equality i would like to offer a suggestion that's a bit like the tie and all i can say to you is well you're probably screaming the answer at me i don't know what the answer would be is it a certain type of dress is it a skirt is it high heels is it tights i don't know is it a hat could be a hat but anyway whatever it is women listening um the equivalent of tie i want you to start doing that too if you wanted me to capture what it is in a word. Oh, see, look, I'm wearing a tie now. I don't have to be wearing this. I'm doing the podcast. I'm wearing a tie because I just felt like I wanted to mix it up. I often wear just a sweater, don't I? I? crew neck for this show. But I've slammed on a tie because, I've, you know, well, I'm talking about ties. And B, I, I think it actually makes me feel more professional. <coughs> I think I might wear one. I'll wear one next time as well and I'll go through a little phase now of wearing a tie for you by the way if you want to see the tie you need to uh, listen to uh, you need to watch the show on what they call YouTube Um, now folks where were we Um, if you want me to sum up in a word what it is for both genders to have the edge in terms of your apparel is go for sophistication don't be afraid of sophistication A tie is sophisticated. I guess high heels, I don't know. Is that sophisticated? It probably is. Whatever it is, or dress, a dress can be very sophisticated, can't it? But if everyone else is going around in jogging trousers and sweatshirts, why can't you be elegant? Why can't you be sophisticated? I think it will give you the edge. And I think it takes only one thing which is self confidence. But if you don't have self confidence, don't worry, just Wear the bloody clothes anyway. And people will treat you differently. A friend of mine is very beautiful and she needed glasses. She got really chunky, thick, black framed glasses because she needed spectacles because her, her uh, eyes were not working so well. Myopia, they call it, short-sightedness. So she's wearing these thick, chunky glasses and suddenly she felt like she was taken a lot more seriously by people at work. She noticed a real difference. And now, even when she doesn't need the glasses, she wears them because it gives her that confidence that, you know, she knows she's going to be taken seriously. So glasses are another good source of sophistication. I mean, they impose an intellectual identity on you that, frankly, you often don't have. But they're great. They do. And they make you seem a bit clever, a bit of a thinker. They're sophisticated. The tie will have the same effect and the smart dress, whatever it is. But, yeah, there you go. So, lads that's your job this week go out and get yourself a tie Uh, and ladies women grab yourself a a sophisticated item as well and i'd like you to wear it perhaps i'd like you to wear it at times when you're not supposed to and you go to a football match or something just break it up a bit bend those rules baby we're putting you in the five percent which means you're going to have to go against the grain that is the price you pay for being in the five percent it's what i want for you and i'm sure it's what you want for yourself I went to the sauna this week the sauna is lovely isn't it I'm sure we've talked about the sauna in the past I really like it a couple of sauna tips I don't know about you but I'd recommend you don't have to be starving but I I like to be on a relatively I like to be fasted for the sauna or at least you know not stuffed full of food I wouldn't have a big three-course lunch and then have a sauna I mean you could but I rather be slightly fasted So that would mean if I was having a sauna at 11 a.m., i wake up in the morning, have a coffee, and then drink some water and stuff, and then just hit that sauna. You know, I would. Or if I was having a sauna at four, then I'd have a very light lunch, knowing that the sauna was coming. Uh, But that's personal choice. But I just think, and also, because what it is then you see is when you get into the sauna, and then you're going to be very thirsty and you're going to be guzzling water. And I just don't, don't like the idea of Loads of food and then liters of water chucked on top of it. I don't know, I've got a mental block on that. So I go into the sauna slightly fasted. I um, have a glass of water before I go in and then make sure and have some water at the ready afterwards. Some people have a certain strategy in the sauna, which is they go in for a few minutes and then they get hot and they come out, they cool down, then they go back in again. Some people will even have a cold shower and then go back in and they're in and out and in and out and, and out. Now, that will allow you, that will enable you to spend longer in the sauna if you add up all the minutes. But it's not really how I do it. The way I like to do it, I like to do it in one chunk. And what I'll do is I get into the sauna, I go to the hottest part. You sit in the upper bunk. Obviously, heat rises. So the higher up you're sitting, the more you're going to sweat. And I have one towel to sit on and another towel to sort of wipe the sweat off. So this was told to me by a medical lady a long time ago which is if you're in the sauna and you're sweating wipe the sweat off otherwise it will sort of just go back into you so fill up that towel with all of you because you know it's your toxins in it get it onto the towel and the other great thing is that when you're in the sauna and you're sweating if you keep drying yourself it draws out more sweat so it stimulates more sweat many health benefits of saunas it is the it is it gets your heart rate going it's happy chemicals and hormones it's detoxing stuff is like pouring out of you that shouldn't be in there it's just a marvelous thing I love the sauna and I had uh, I was so cool because in London at the moment it's about around zero degrees maybe one two degrees at the moment four five six degrees during the day and then zero minus one minus two at night and i was at this outdoor swimming pool called a lido which is unheated all year round it's never heated it's brutal it's hardcore and it's a swimming pool and it's got a sauna attached not attached to the pool that would be a hazard i think you'll agree that would be an electrician's worst nightmare (laughs) just a floating sauna in the pool you're welcome. Who's the first to try that one out? Come on, Stephanie, and you go. What's the worst that can happen? What happened to Stephanie? How did she die? Oh, she was, uh, she was basically uh, set on fire in a swimming pool because she got into a sauna which was attached to it, and she basically went up in smoke. <laughs> what a way to go, though. If you're going to go, that's the way to go, isn't it? Go in style. So there's a sauna and then there's the unheated ice cold. And of course, if you can imagine in the summer, it's just pleasant. The water is almost warm, right? But when it's a couple of degrees, then the water is ridiculous. So anyway, the water was three degrees this week. Three degrees. Three degrees. That's that's three degrees off freezing, folks. So what I like to do with the sauna is I like to sit in there for as long as possible Until I've got to get out. And for me. Depends on the temperature. Uh, This sauna was about 85 degrees. Which is not bad. And I managed about 20. 25 minutes. Yeah about 25 minutes. And then it was like okay I've got to get out now. And I like that feeling. It's it's like the weight training that I've told you about before. The special episode on that. Which I would recommend you dig out. Although it wouldn't be useful if I could tell you which episode that was. I think I need to do a bit more of that. Where I can tell you. Try episode 30, but one of the episodes is uh lifting very heavy things very slowly, is how I like to do it. And I feel the same with the sauna, which is you go in and you just sit there and you grind it out until it becomes impossible. Because w- when people do weight training, they do a thing called failure, right? So in the old days with weight training, remember when I first joined a gym and the instructor would say, okay, do three sets of three sets of you do these 10 reps, you do it three times, and you know, you zoom along but you the, the doesn't get to the point where your arms don't work anymore you know you have a little break and the way i do the lifting is that you get to the point where the stack won't move anymore and that's called failure so you're you're in and you're out and you're in it's very heavy and it's very slow and then it's like okay my muscles are, i've got a leg press and at a certain point the legs just can't move the stack anymore they're just it's done and that's called failure. And I like to do that in the sauna. So I sit in there until I've got to get out. And I'd call that failure. And then I go into the. I got into this three degree water. And although that's epically cold. Because the body is so smoking hot from the sauna. You can do 30 seconds a minute in those temperatures. Without too much of a problem. Because your body is boiling. If your body was normal temperature. It's a few seconds. Very invigorating. Very invigorating very pleasant very satisfying complete adrenaline spike and endorphins and god knows all the other stuff that one enjoys it was so nice i loved it and what i really love and we've talked about this before what i love when it gets cold anywhere is that the tap water becomes colder doesn't it if your country is cold or your city is cold, then the water coming out of the taps is colder. I love that. I'm so disappointed in warm countries when I have a shower and I take, I put the cold tap on and it's lukewarm. I'm just, that's not for me. I love that shock of cold water. It's highly addictive. And so the the water at the moment in London is absolutely beautiful. It's mint, I'm already looking forward to my cold shower. Like today, I did not need to have a shower. I was clean. You're welcome. And so all I needed to do was wash my hair over the bath because that's quicker. I was on my way to work. It's really convenient sometimes. Just wash your hair over the bath. You don't have to bother getting naked, get your whole body wet, dry yourself off. You know, just quickly just wash my hair, job done. But I unnecessarily and needlessly had a full body shower Just in the knowledge that I was going to have that ice cold water on my body. It feels so good. I really want you. I really want you to get into those cold showers, guys. You've got to do it. It will change your life. By the way, can I just tell you I'm not a doctor. So please be careful. If you've got a heart condition, if you're going to do cold water, seek medical advice. Last thing I want you to do is have a bloody coronary in the swimming pool in December on my advice. It's not my advice. Just I do it and I love it. Uh, Speaking of the cold, by the way, um, I noticed something this week and I'm often reminded of this and it's back to the putting you in the 95, no, putting you in the 5% of the high achievers, not the 95% of everyone else. By the way, I don't look down on any of those 95% people. I have been in the 95% and I often slip back into the 95% because we all do. We're all 95% really we've just got to stretch ourselves to get into the five percent and it's actually a daily battle to stay to stay in the five percent um but there is a i I got a real metaphor for the five percent i ride a little moped london's cold at the moment a moped is is like a small motorbike automatic thing twist and go how easy is that no gears lovely top speed 60 miles an hour you're welcome and i love the freedom and independence of this thing and I got into work a few days ago when it was very cold. And the bike bay where the motorbikes are parked is normally full. And I have to do something clever like park illegally or start shifting bikes around to accommodate mine. It's always a bit of a drag. If you arrive during the day, the bike bay is full of bikes. We're in central London. It's busy, right? Well, the other day when it was very cold... There were all these spaces. It wasn't full at all. It was half full. I had my pick. And I realized what had happened, which is that a good number of the people who ride motorbikes decided not to go out in the cold weather because they didn't want the discomfort. Perhaps they didn't want the hazard. But they didn't want to be cold. They didn't want to sit on a freezing cold, sit on a bike in a freezing cold wind and So basically those people, they're the, they're the cowards, right? They're the 95% who decided to sit on a warm train instead or the bus. But don't they realize what they've relinquished, what they've given up, which is that fresh air as you ride in. Any cyclist will agree cycling is the same, that, that lovely fresh air. You get to work and you're invigorated, aren't you? Because you've effectively been outside for the whole trip. And that's the, that's the point about two wheels. Whether it's a motorbike or a bicycle, you're outside. When you're in a car, you're not outside, are you? You're in this vacuum-sealed bubble, which is heated. Whereas, but no, honestly, I mean, if I've got to perform, if I've got something demanding, I insist on going on my motorbike because I will be, it's like drinking coffee. I'll be alert. All that oxygen, all that fresh air for the length of the trip really energizes me love it but yeah so i just came, i just noticed that there were these but and then there were a few bikes that were there and those are the people that we want to be okay they're the people that looked outside could see it was minus 77 but they got on their bike and they did it anyway and i love that i love it love it, love it love it i love those people i want to be those people and i want you to be those people too So if you don't fancy something and you don't like the look of it and it's just not nice, I want you to do it anyway because you will be in the minority. Remember, make friends with discomfort. What did Arnold Schwarzenegger say? Pain is growth. If you have pain, it means you're growing. And if that's going to work on the motorbike, freezing cold while the others are on a warm train, that's good, you've... Taken the road less travelled, no pun intended. You've taken the difficult, harder path. But you'll be rewarded with a sense of satisfaction that you made it. The others didn't bother, but you did. You took that effort. My dad used to drag me out running on a Sunday morning and often didn't fancy it. And Those were the best runs. The times when you didn't fancy it and you're in the cold shower afterwards, you feel a million dollars. Those are the runs which are better than the runs that you did want to do. I love it I love it I love it I love it um folks I feel like we're uh, reaching the crescendo aren't we shall I just consult the older yeah you know we better not get carried away loving chatting to you yeah I think I'm, I'm looking at bits and bobs and I think we can cover those next time I think we'll talk about the dangers of scams next time, being scammed and how scammers work. Uh, Be fussy is a little two-word rule, which I'll be discussing with you. Also, um, you might be wrong. Four very important words that could really heal the world. Those four words could fix everything. You might be wrong. We'll discuss all of that, plus I'm going to scour The internet for product of the week ideas but i just want to say it's been really great talking to you if you're enjoying the show please tell your friends and family friends or family that you think would enjoy the show this show is is it is what it is do you know what i mean it's very partisan it's it's not trying to accommodate to any requirements it is (laughs) it is quite literally me talking for half an hour that is it and you know we've talked we've thought about and i've thought about guests and this and that you know what never say never actually but i like the purity of this i hope you do too i like the purity of it i just feel that every other podcast is it's guests isn't it there's some great podcasts out there but it's like someone interviewing someone else or just having a bit of a chat and a bit of a laugh with them and look not ruling that out but part of me if i sort of look at how things are done i kind of always want to go the other way and there are fewer podcasts where it's just someone talking and so i just think oh let's let's do that then let's have that let's find that little gap in the market by the way at that point you can point out that there are probably 27 million podcasts where it is people just talking as well but um if you're enjoying the show which is unforgivably what it is then tell your friends, tell your family, uh, please give me an honest review because it draws other people towards the podcast and the show. But, yeah, listen, nothing is off the table for the future in terms of where we take this, what, what I do with it, what the future is. But um, for now, the big thing is to deliver this weekly address. Come hell nor high water. And, um Yeah let's just have some fun together and it's a journey isn't it and I think a lot of it's revision I think I want I actually want you to go back and re-listen to some of the shows and maybe even take notes I feel like I need to take notes I'd be tempted to pay somebody to listen to my podcast and just take notes because I don't know whether I can put myself through that but you know what when I listen back I'll probably enjoy it more than I expected because what's the golden rule how it feels is not how it is It's been great to chat. Go and have a great week. I want you to be sophisticated this week. I want you to punch above your weight. I want you to wear something fancy that you don't need to. I want you to decide what hills you're going to die on and which you're not. And you're going to remember that people are not mind readers as you sit in a hot, sweaty sauna. Lots of love and I'll see you in seven days. Bye bye.